am Lula. And I'm Jude. And welcome back to Just Friends. Yay. Uh, I have no we... idea how long I've been waiting for this interview, Lula. Like, I cannot wait for this guest. We have a very special guest today. As you can tell, Jude is actually with them in person right now Yay. in Copenhagen. <laughs> and Jude, you want to give us a little intro? Yeah. Okay. So I've been eagerly anticipating having the opportunity to sit down with this guest since like my first very few days of being in Copenhagen. During my first week here, I discovered La Banquina, a picturesque waterside wine bar and restaurant that transports you into a magical oasis of peace, fun, and hugle. <laughs> Along with La Banquina, Christopher Barrett is also the owner of an Italian restaurant called Il Buco, which Lula and I went to when she visited me and is very delicious. And Christopher is a passionate promoter of responsible business and sustainable initiatives. Christopher, Thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Welcome to Just Friends. Thanks. Thanks for the... How are you guys feeling today? I guess I should set the scene. Jude and Chris are sitting together. Do you want to explain where you are? <laughs> uh, we're in the corner of uh, Il Buco, um, having a nice view, panoramic view of the, the, the courtyard was pouring down. Uh, we're sitting at, a, sitting at a table where we normally don't allow uh, computers, but uh, I guess I'm the one to make an exception for that. <laughs> little rule <laughs> you know we're kind of like all day eateries so so we have to allow computers to a certain extent but 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 the, these three tables are the best seats in the in the in the restaurant so we would like people to actually eat at these tables and enjoy whatever they're doing not just work for seven hours in a row especially for people who don't know either of your restaurants or you i'm just kind of wondering how you got into cooking have you always wanted to be a chef now you have these I mean, at least to Jude, incredibly important establishments. <laughs> like every other episode of the podcast, he's like, well, I jumped in the canal at Vankina. It's like my best day of the week. And yeah, I'm just wondering like a little more of your story, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm 44, so it's going to be a pretty long story, but I'll try to make it short. <laughs> um, my, my first job ever, I think I was 17 or something, was in the kitchen with a real talented chef. So. I guess that what what uh, lit my gastronomic fire, if you can say that. I mean, mm -hmm. most of my my um, friends the same age, they they if they worked with any kind of um, food, they were probably um, heating frozen pizzas or making burgers and frozen fries or something. But I happened to end up with this uh, French trained, super super talented chef, uh, um, uh, Nils. Uh, he just retired, actually, uh, at an age mm. of seventy or something. Um, so from there on, I, I I didn't stay in the in that industry, but I I I stayed close to it. I'd say sometimes I helped uh, chef friends at the restaurants, uh, chopping something or even doing the dishes or something. And then I worked with um, <clears throat> logistics and big events, so also food related. And I started the wine import, and that wine import ended up as Ibuku, basically. 13 years ago by chance very randomly and it's true mm. all the consultants they hate me and did El Buco was that your first establishment before La Banquina? Yes, yes it was and when you were 17 working in that restaurant were you like I need to be in food for the rest of my life like was it a clear or kind of per chance? Um, I, I never planned anything I have never had a, I'm not very ambitious uh, you could say <laughs> I, I didn't mm. no no I didn't plan to stay in food at all 
but I, I kind of I like food and I, I bought some really nice uh, pots and pans uh, as soon as I moved away from home, which was the same year actually. And my friends were like, "Oh, you don't have enough money to buy beer or play billiard." And I was like, "No, sorry, but I have an ice cream maker." So fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> so so I I didn't have any ambitions to be. A, I am not a trained chef either. I I I used to be able to cook, but I haven't cooked for years to be honest. Uh, um, I cooked at Il Buco in the first two years, and then I I I got an OD, and I haven't cooked much since, uh, which is a shame. I'm planning on taking it up again. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not a chef per se, but I I I like the food environment, uh, the restaurant. I like the I love the business. This is where I've been for many years, and I'm gonna stay. How has kind of having and starting these businesses changed your passion or excitement for food. I don't know if I'm wording this well. I guess I'm wondering, like, has it made excitement for food more into, like, a business relationship? Or are you, like, excited about new dishes? I, I think I got it. Uh, of course, it took away my my the pleasure of cooking myself. Um, and I live alone, so I, I have no reason to cook at home, really. And I plus I, I I love to go out and support other restaurateurs in Copenhagen. So I eat out all the time, basically. Um, but I'm still very involved in the in the the processes in the house at Ilbuco to to create new dishes. And I I just came out of a meeting where we brainstormed a lot about uh, how we work and how can we optimize. And so there's so many aspects of the business that I still think is very enjoyable. Um, I'm more like a creative person i don't like just to run the restaurant i'm more like evolving it so if i can open the restaurant every half year that would be amazing but that's not how it works and that's not how i what i want either but the the creative process of uh, restaurant thing is 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 kind of what i what what drives me the most what part of the creative part is it making the dishes is it testing the dishes is it coming up with new like marketing materials like what is it um, it that's hard to answer. I mean, some days uh, I'm super proud because we ended up being one of the most sustainable re- restaurants in 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 Copenhagen or Denmark or I don't know where. But we work very hard to to towards that, and and that makes me proud, and it fills me with joy. Um, but also if I if I go to eat here, um. And, and I discovered that the guys made something like extraordinarily amazing. That thrills me as well. Um, and also, I mean, I like that I can wake up at 10 in the morning if I feel like it. I, I have a great deal of uh, freedom in my life, which is also important for me. I would never be able to to work nine to five. That's not how how I work. I kind of would like to hear more about the sustainability aspect, because I think Jude and I ate at both places, obviously, but Il Buco, I was so, first of all, the tomatoes. <laughs> was like my favorite thing on the menu, took a million pictures of it. But everything that we ate, it was such, um, I feel like an important part of it was hearing where everything was from. And obviously that's like an intentional part of the business and the dining experience, I imagine. So I'm wondering like how that happened. Um, as I mentioned before, the 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 restaurant part of Il Buco is came like uh, coincidentally. Uh, I, I was having this uh, little warehouse storage for my wines that I imported from Italy, 
and I cooked something for the for the for, uh, opening party uh, at this little garage thing. Uh, and then the day after, some friends came and ate, and I was like, "Oh, that's good times. Let's do it next week. Uh, you, you give me uh, ten dollars, and I'll cook you a meal and give you a glass of wine, something." And then it turned into the supper club. So, so I didn't have a big vision or plan for this restaurant. Uh, I did it because it 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 happened. So, so I didn't give much thought about sustainability in the beginning. And then when I, things like kind of settled, I realized. Oh my God! Everything has to be organic, uh, because I have responsibility of the the food intake of, of this relatively great number of people. And then it came like, uh, okay, now everything's organic. What's next? Um, we st- we we're looking at uh, regenerative farming, uh, and and recently within the last two years, every ingredient in the kitchen and the bakery is uh, from Denmark, sourced from Denmark except for salt and yeast. So we're not like 99% Danish. Um, and we know all our producers and it evolves every day. We're minimizing uh, single-use plastics. Um, um, we buy whole animals. Uh, we, we don't buy anything processed uh, except for one type of oil, which is still Danish. I mean, it's so fucking nerdy, you wouldn't believe it. We just had a meeting where um, I was explained that we talked about how can we um, make things a little more efficient? And then I realized that training a chef here, they, of course, the trained chef, but learning to know the house normally it takes maybe two, three months. Here it takes up to half a year because we have so many small processes. We make our own charcuterie. We even make a, a one type of cheese. Um, everything is made from scratch and it just takes for fucking ever. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a very profitable business, but it's fun. I'm like super interested in, I think, talking more about the business aspect of it I'm just I don't know I think Jude and I talk about this a lot like interpersonally and also on the podcast I think Jude has more of an ability than I do to like work (laughs) period um I like can't I can't do I can't imagine myself doing a nine-to-five I think I'm always kind of looking for some more like creative version or something where I have more kind of like you said like autonomy in my day which is of course a privilege and it's hard to be like I'm 20 and I need money and I don't want to work hard for long hours and I think I don't know Jude and I are obviously both studying abroad right now and a huge thing we keep talking about is work-life balance just seems to be so much better in both of our respective cities than back at home and in the u.s generally um i mean there's this huge phrase that's like what is it you in europe it's work to live but in america it's live to work yes yeah 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 that was yeah does that have you heard that before does that like sound like a fair <laughs> comparison it seems like in, in the states people are uh, way more like engaged in what they do they they're more uh, ambitious they're like they they don't care how much they work they just want to be successful um i think we're more spoiled in in europe we, we don't there's like a, the the um, social security system is is way better here so we, uh, i mean if you fuck up and get fired it's not a problem because you get health benefits oh you, no you get social security uh money paid out i mean you, you never left all on your own in denmark i, I guess it's not that in uh not the case in, in the states uh so we don't have to be as 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 um as a hell bent on, on making a lot of money here. I mean, I feel like in the US also it's like 
the huge measure of success is how much money you have, which has to be hundreds and hundreds of millions yeah. at this point to mean anything. Yeah, and yeah. I, it's just so interesting hearing you talk about like, oh, we realized we should make money at some point and how this kind of came out of an idea for like, I don't, your friends and like realizing that everyone loved it. And I, I don't know. I just think it resonates with me so much more as way it's like how one would get into a business. Like Jude has a much more entrepreneurial spirit than I do. And I'm always like, I can't imagine working in anything that has to do with the business side of things. But this is like, it's making sense to me. I'm seeing like a through line. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show, The Bear? Uh, no, I try not to be on Netflix because then I would watch too many series. But I, 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 I'm planning to do it this winter. I'm just loving hearing you speak and like comparing it to the bear <laughs> because I think you just have a very like calming, I don't know, tone of voice. You seem like very grounded in your work. And this was like the obviously this show does not represent what all restaurants are. And it was a very different. It was in Chicago. It's where it takes place. It's an incredibly hectic trying to resurrect a restaurant like setting. It's not. I don't know, sustainable. There's no like farm to table elements of it, but it's just like an insanely manic series. Yeah. And I don't I'm just like can't help but comparing them. That's that's not how we how we work here. I mean, every time recently there's been a lot of uh, awards given given out um and I'm like, so so. It's not that I want all these the was these awards or Michelin stars. I, I don't care. But but you you get you get a Michelin star for for the experience that the the guest receives when they pay uh, x amount of of, of dollars or kroners to to uh, to dine. But but as far as I know, well, there is the green Michelin star, which is bullshit because they don't go to the actual place. You fill out a questionnaire, and if you fill it out right, you get the green Michelin star. That's that's a that's a fact. Mm. Um, but why don't you uh, why why don't you um, give out a, a, a humanitarian uh, Michelin star or another award for people who manage to have the chefs only working 160 hours per month? Why don't you mm -hmm. give out a, a prize to someone who? Uh, now I'm pointing out at myself, of course. But why don't I get a <laughs> prize for using so many uh, local ingredients and being so fucking sustainable? It's it's all about uh, uh service level. It's all about experience. Is is there's there's nothing really celebrating the the chefs that are not uh, uh punching the other chefs in the face. That like work ethics, uh, work environment. Uh, I mean, that should be celebrated more because how important is it to to have this great experience eating at Noma? It is a great experience. I've tried a few times, but. I also know that these chefs out there, they, they might have been working like 60 hours the, the same week. Probably not in more because now there's a big focus on it, but there has been issues and there has been issues in the entire restaurant business with uh, bullying, uh, harassment, racism, sexism, etc. But it's like, ah, they have a Michelin star, so you tend to forget everything about the other things, which I think is a shame. But I also see a, a tendency moving more towards what I'm suggesting now, but it's going to take years. It's going to take a long time because no one has the guts to say, fuck Michelin star. Can you describe like the story of La Banquina? Like how you had the idea of it, what it looked like creating it. Like, did you always know you wanted a sauna and wine and restaurant 
um, again, um, just to piss off all the business consultants and the <laughs> the the, the, the uh, strategy uh, companies. Uh, it was not planned at all. My a friend of a friend came and asked me if I wanted to do like a kiosk or cafe or something out there with him, and I said thanks, but no thanks because I didn't want to make business with other persons because then you get into fights and and that's a lot of that's the same as compromises, which I'm not good at. Uh, so he like uh, surrendered and said, "Well, Christy, you can have it. I'm gonna help you uh, hook up with the landlord." And and um, I was like, "Whoa, thank you, Thomas." Um, so I did that, and uh, I saw the building. I was like, back then there was nothing out there. There was a mass that is now uh, unfortunately closed. Um, but besides those guys, there were nothing. It was like the most uh, isolated place in uh, Copenhagen. One of one of them. So I was like who's going to get out here and but i was like maybe someone is and i started to repair the place and and fix it i did a lot of work the first year uh and then we opened and it was fun good we made food and uh i instantly when i saw the place i, I wanted to do these winter uh, dinners like something fine dining something elegant where you just sit and watch the the the, the copenhagen harbor uh, it really really never made it work that well um which is a shame because i really wanted that but um that was not what what was going to happen um regarding the sauna an old colleague came and said well i have a, uh, this uh, sauna and wheels can can we come and put it uh, at your place because you can swim and stuff and i was like yeah sure no problem sounds like a good idea and then i ended up uh, handling the tickets i ended up uh, buying the the wood for the stove and a few times we actually turned on the stove and was ready to let people in. And then he came with his car and took away the, the sauna with oh. fire and everything. I was like, oh, fuck yourself. <laughs> so uh, uh, I think we can still talk to each other. I don't know. It's a years. But then I bought the sauna we have now because it was obviously a good idea with the sauna. So it was not my idea. And I didn't plan to open La Banquina. It just kind of happened, which is uh, uh, probably just my business model. Yeah, I think, okay, going off of your business model, again, I keep talking about this, but I'm like, I would assume that somewhere in all of this success, you have some setbacks. It sounds like the winter fine dining idea was maybe one of them, but it also seems like because, or maybe not because, I'll frame it as a question. Do you feel like you can kind of surmount these little hurdles better because the kind of your business philosophy seems to be like, well, it happened. <laughs> like my friend has a sauna, so now we have a sauna. And of course it works because it's great. I've always said that uh, I, I cannot be stressed because I, I think my approach is uh, uh, far along the way is that I'm not here for the money. So, I mean, if we go bankrupt one day, uh, well, I'll figure something new to do, or if things happen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the the worried type at all, uh, which I think is a great force to have in this business because that doesn't make me, uh, that makes me also a more calm and grounded person, as you said before. Uh, but if if you look at numbers all the time and and you have some goals about uh, some stars or other um, things you want to achieve, then you, you, I guess, you're more likely to be like a screaming and yelling all the time which i'm not i'm not gonna waste my time on that so yeah i think you just summed up a real philosophy in business that you have and i'm curious if that 
resonates in other aspects of your life, specifically romantically, because I mean, we are just friends and we talk about like platonic <laughs> friendships and love a lot on the podcast. If you're willing to, could you talk a little bit more about like, do you have a similar kind of easygoing and trusting the process in other aspects of your life, including romance? Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Um, like she really navigates the conversation. Yeah, no, no, it, it's fine. Uh, I, I'm a person. I've been to. Uh, I've had. Uh, I just um, my old therapist. He just uh, pensioned himself after me coming there for 20 years. So I, I'm I'm ready to answer these questions. Uh, I just didn't see it coming. Um, Sorry, no warning. So yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, honestly, uh, my love life. Um, I would rather hook that up to the. I, I I'm more or less I chosen to be single because I, I I used to have a lot of girlfriends and it never worked out. So now I'm just like taking it day by day. I'm not. I I don't have any kids. Uh, I live alone and I have a great life. Of course, I I can feel lonely one night a a month or whatever once in a while. But I I, I have the. I can I can. I don't have to plan my life. I don't need to have any plans in my life, which is, is kind of nice most of the time. I don't need to uh, adjust my life to a, a partner's uh, family's uh, holidays or something. I, I mean, I'm 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 totally myself. I can do whatever I want. Uh, going back to the, the have a business partner, that means a lot of compromises. Having a partner, that means a lot of compromises. And I'm, I don't master that, uh, that the compromises really good. So, of course, there's uh, there's negative sides on it, but it's also also amazing just to be yourself to me. And if you want to talk more about more about that, is also like also the the society has a lot of expectations to you. Um, you gotta have two kids. You gotta have a house. You gotta travel uh, in this week and those three weeks and this week because that's where the schools have uh, holidays. And it's also like. It's just like one big system that you need to fit into, and I think the 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 standard um, relationship with a wife or a partner, or whatever, is 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 made from that. I mean, I can travel in week seventeen. Everyone else travels in week twelve because that's where the schools have their winter holiday, and it you have to live together. Why do you have to live together? I mean. I mean, I, I see a lot of people who get div divorced uh, after they bought their house and started renovating their house because, I don't know, but then you also see people who have been together for 30 years without even living together, which I think is worth thinking about. Do we need to live together? Do we need to have kids? Uh, speaking of climate crisis, etc. Do we need to do what our parents did? I don't think so. Also, marriage is also a security thing. Uh, and now... Oh, very close. At least in Denmark, uh, uh, everyone can take care of themselves. We we don't have uh, we don't have housewives anymore. Everyone has a job. Everyone can can fix their own things. Um, is it so so important to 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 get married and 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 get into these boxes that we've always always done? I'm just stuck on the compromising piece as well. <laughs> I knew I think... you were going to go back to this <laughs> because. I don't know, in a lot of the ways you've described the way, like I'm thinking about the sauna, it didn't sound like you struggled, like you just kind of accepted it. So I guess like, how do you define compromising in terms of business and in relationship if 
a lot of your philosophy is kind of rolling with the the flow. Um, but going with the flow, I don't see that as a compromise. Um, I mean, if if I get an idea, I'll try to uh, realize the idea or to to make it make it happen. If I think it's a good idea, um, I, maybe I don't got your question uh, correctly. They feel like juxtaposing ideas, but I'm not sure if they are. You still okay. have your own vision and desires for where your life and where your businesses are going. Just the small little hiccups or speed bumps, they don't stress you out. They You just kind of incorporate them into the vision and the process. Is that fair? Um, yeah, that that's fair. Um, I, I think as long as I have uh, some some core values and some... some some and I'm not going to say desires but I know that I have a direction but I don't have a plan you know um I know that we 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 will constantly be working towards being the most sustainable place uh, on earth that's the goal but the the the, um, the road to that uh, goal uh, has not been planned at all uh, of course I have ideas and 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 thoughts together with the staff as well but there will be no compromises. I, I never go back on 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 my plans. Um, it's not that suddenly I, I'm gonna allow them to use bananas in the kitchen, which is not from Denmark. Um, <laughs> which would and that would be a, a big compromise. Uh, that's not gonna happen. But but I'm not as precise in my planning if I have a plan as as you would maybe normally be. Make sense? Very much so. I appreciated it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay, one last question that we like to end the podcast with is Lula and I are just friends. And that's why we have the podcast called Just Friends. But we're really interested in exploring platonic relationships. Have you ever had a platonic friendship that has felt more romantic or confusing? And have you had to grapple with that in your life or no? Um. So you're asking if I sometimes feel like sleeping with my female friends or <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh let me think. <laughs> I I'm I'm sure it happened. Yeah, it 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 has happened, but also sometimes it's not very convenient because there might be a a third part involved. And uh so I I I must say I, I've never really uh done it. Not that it hasn't happened, but I'm I'm very uh uh, old school that way. I don't believe in uh, what's the word? Adulting. Yeah, I like to keep uh keep things straight. Uh, I might have a bit of OCD also. I I mean, it gets too um, it gets too confusing to 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 mess too much about that. Of course, if you're drunk, sometimes you. But yeah, keep things uh easy and 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 yeah. Uh yeah, keep a keep a straight line. Um yeah. Okay, now one last question. Do you have one piece of advice for Lula and I in any general life? What's one piece that you would give to 20-year-olds trying to figure out who they want to be, where they want to be, what they want to do, etc.? Pay, pay, be, be respectful to everyone around you, those who deserve it, at least. And then uh, live, to do what you want. Think less about career and uh, and your future life, and, and I know this is a big cliche, but do it now. Um, yeah, 
live and don't worry too much. Yeah, don't worry too much. Uh, if you worry too much, you get uh, depressed and uh, you're not going to be able to do anything. So just just do. Think later. Like, how'd you know? Wow, I needed that. <laughs> <laughs> we needed that today. And maybe oh a little dip, eat, and repeat. That's the tagline for La Banquina. <laughs> I and like, I think I want to get that as a tattoo, guys. <laughs> I'm not joking. Hey, you should do it. Actually, I'm just saying that if you work for for these two companies, when we have a staff party, there's always a tattoo artist hired. So there's free tattoos. <laughs> there we go. Just Number saying. one selling point. Wow. That's okay, wait. Huge. That might be the winner. <laughs> I'm, Dude, you've got to come back to Copenhagen I, I, yeah. and work. Can I get a job? <laughs> I'm taking He's that like as shrugging. yes. <laughs> He's like, okay. this kid's too crazy to have in the kitchen. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. And thank you for listening, you all. We will see you next Sunday. Love you. Bye. Bye.